electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are steady once again, as the S&P has had really minimal movements for the past three sessions. Disney earnings are in focus. Uh, nearly 80% of the S&P has now reported a 10-year yield close to a two-week high. Our roadmap begins with Disney's surprise beat. Disney Plus subs, of course, uh, close in on the 100 million mark. And earnings do blow out expectations. We're going to break down the results next. Then, hey, what's a day without saying GameStop or oh. Hot Stocks or Reddit? Yeah, we'll talk about all of it. Of course, as the Justice Department investigates possible manipulation. And later, Morgan Stanley's bullish call on EVs. You're going to want to hear what Adam Jonas is saying about names such as Fisker and QuantumScape and all those battery makers, Carl, that we're trying to sort through. As many more continue to go public, oftentimes through SPACs. Uh, indeed, guys. Uh, we'll focus on Disney, though, uh, to start things off this morning, Jim. Uh, pretty nice round of price target increases. Uh, JPM goes to 220, Credit Suisse 218. Uh, it's been pointed out that it took uh, Netflix nine years to get to 95 million subs. It's taken Disney 14 months. It was a joyous call. Uh, clip. They did not change the uh, fiscal year 2024 to profitability guidance, which I wanted, because you do want to temper things a little after this gigantic run. But uh, there are, it, it is really very hard, and David, I know that you've studied this company for a very long time. It is very hard to find a company that can make so much money when most of it is closed. Uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, cruise ships, uh, obviously the theme parks have not been open in many right. places or sporadically and not to capacity, and then, and then their movies are not being seen in movie theaters. No. So those are the three components of Disney that have not really seen significant right. revenue cruising, in a long great. time. Cruising, kind of Cruising, yes, at the time. But yeah. The moment on the call, Carl, that was most, uh, seemed to get the most resonance, when they were talking about maybe no masks, maybe not having to wear masks in 2022. It, it, of course, that's this mm. new normality. And when you get to normality, I think people are going to say, you know what? I want to go somewhere, and this is the most visible destination in the world, whether it be in Paris, whether it be in uh, Asia, whether it be in California, which will matter very much. And I know you know Disney very, very well, better than anyone who's on our, uh, our staff. But it is uh, the things that they described. Uh, I, my kids are now 29 and 26. I felt like calling them, Carl, and saying, you know what? We're going to Disneyland. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that, Jim, because I remember Chapek uh, came on our air, I'm guessing uh, must have been April or May of last year. And we were asking about challenges for the parks when they were to reopen. They had they were closed at that point. And he said masks. He said yes. masks for the clientele are challenging, especially in Orlando in the summer. And of course, last night on the call, he did talk about vaccines, mass vaccination, herd immunity being a game changer. Maybe as soon as April. Here's what he said. We have no doubt that when we reopen up in parks that were closed or increase the capacity, that we'll have some level of social distancing uh, and mask wearing. 
uh, uh, you know, for the remainder of this year. That's our expectation. But I believe that Dr. Fauci said earlier today that he hopes that there's vaccines for everyone who wants them by April this year. If that happens, that is a game changer. And that could accelerate our expectations and uh, give people the confidence that they need to come back to the parks. Uh, to your point, Jim, uh, uh, I mean, there's the streaming uh, tailwind and potentially the park tailwind. But they're actually very conservative. They can put the price increases coming, Dave. You know that. But I want to call out someone, and I've done this before a couple of times. Sometimes you just don't can't do it enough. There's a CFO there who is really the continuum uh, between Bob Iger, she's the bridge, and Shapek, and it's uh, Christine McCarthy. And when she speaks, you listen. And the reason why is because they did a fundamental financial restructuring during this period of COVID. David, they probably did more to ensure that they are the Fort Knox of entertainment than any company at a time when it was very unclear why anyone would want to own the financials having to do with a theme park and entertainment company in the midst of the worst pandemic since 1980. Yeah, listen, it is a surprise to see the performance of that stock over the last year, particularly, of course, as it hit those lows in that March-April period, as everybody tried to understand what the ramifications would be, the pandemic, and certainly Disney was thought to be one of the companies most at risk. Um, And then we can rewind. Jim, when was it when we had that contentious, I'll call it contentious, interview with Bob Iger? It was sort of after that August period. We talked a lot about ESPN. He sort of said, all you guys want to do is talk about ESPN. Was it six, seven years ago? I can't remember. But when you think about the transformation that has taken place at the company, how they have basically exited this ecosystem that existed for all these years, although there's I shouldn't say exited. They haven't exited. No, they've transitioned, begun that transition from it. By the way, an incredibly profitable ecosystem. I'm talking, of course, about the one that we're a part of, the cable networks ecosystem, where you're getting paid by all those people who don't actually watch you. That's a great business. But that transition that's taken place uh, and that they have now been rewarded for having succeeded at already, uh, given direct to consumer is now the way this company is measured. Plain and simple, that's the way it's going to be measured. They had more operating income than many had expected they would uh, from the quarter itself. They added a lot of subs in in India, by the way. They will let some people uh, feel that that's been too... 10 million uh, subs in those Q1. Are low, uh, you know, those, those are, are low ARPU. Yeah. Yes, they're and, low ARPU. And there's ARPU. a concern to a certain extent about that, even though they are, again, as Carl said, 95 million subs, way ahead of the time period under which Netflix was able to achieve those kinds of numbers. But it's here to stay. It's how it's going to be judged. And that's how we're going to look at it. Whether it ever replaces in profitability, truly, the old ecosystem right. is very much unclear. Well, if you remember, we go back to that rancorous time, David. ESPN was very pr- promotional about having 100 million subs. Uh, and that was the super cycle. Uh, that was the top. And ever since then, we focused on that because the decline, as you would go every quarter, the decline was rather radical. I don't even care about it. I mean, yeah. I like ESPN. And Adam Schefter's my friend, and I enjoy the, uh, watching their coverage. But there is... Uh, Frankly, it still it, generates a lot of important cash flow for the company. Don't it, dismiss it. Does, it. And I felt, but, but I was going to say that ESPN Plus yes. has also been very successful. Yes, it has. And then the Hulu offering and the grouping. Uh, by the way, also, guys, worth mentioning because it's a theme we've come to a, a, a number of times in terms of just um, many companies, sports betting. And I know you've been following it, of course, closely. It comes up in the call. Fox and their call, obviously Fox far smaller than Disney, but it came up a lot there in terms of what they're doing with uh, 
FanDuel. Right. Uh, but here again, I mean, when you start to see ESPN, sort of we've got relationship with DraftKings and Caesars, we've got sport betting leagues with both of those, not branded Disney or ESPN, but branded through their own offerings. Right. This is becoming an important component of many of these media companies when they have sports programming. Their, uh, their strategy. Yep, I, I'm affiliated with DraftKings. I do a program for them, and uh, DraftKings is pretty everywhere, and it's very, very aggressive, very forward-looking company. I thought that more should have been spent on, on what ESPN is doing at gambling because I, I, don't th- I think they have much more room. They do have a very kind of clubhouse thing, but they should be doing clubhouse. They are not doing interactive enough gambling because that's what people really want. Uh, Carl, I think the gambling world is bigger, and I think the cannabis world is smaller than this market realizes. <laughs> Jim, I want to ask you, you know, more broadly about uh, travel. Uh, we do have some downgrades of some of the cruise lines this morning. Berenberg uh, cuts Carnival and Norwegian, basically saying that enterprise value really hasn't dropped that much, uh, despite some of the risks that they'll have when they start to operate again. And of course, Expedia last night talked about how this return to travel on a global basis, Jim, is going to be a little rocky. Here's what he said. The trends are generally good, although very bad overall, uh, going in the right direction. Uh, but I would caution everybody that we continue to expect it to be bumpy as uh, this is a story of a thousand different geographies and a thousand different fact sets uh, around the virus and, of course, vaccine rollouts, etc. We're going to talk to him uh, in the next hour, I believe, Jim, uh, coming up, uh, Peter Kern from Expedia. But it sort of points to the, some of these near-term, especially in Europe, Jim, near-term extensions of lockdowns as the variant kind of remains a wild card. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I don't want to sugarcoat. There were more than 3,500 deaths yesterday. We just have to keep these numbers in front of us. I'm dealing with a company called Veru, V-E-R-U, small cap, that has a therapeutic debut. You like to know that. Uh, blocks ARDS, which is the way most people end up dying if they're in the hospital. That's what my father died of, so I'm aware of the disease. I do think that, Carl, the one thing I would point out is that having been the recipient of the double Moderna, I mean, I'm willing to go around the world in 80 days from Norwegian to a handoff to Carnival, and I may even just say, you know what, put me on one of those incredibly special Mediterranean cruises so I can visit every one of those capitals in Europe and show them I am not fearful of what you have. (laughs) Well, more and more people may start to feel like you do, Jim, which is why it's interesting that Expedia was not particularly positive. Yeah, I didn't like that. He was very conservative, but he was a kind of a downer. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, but maybe because he's just dealing with the reality. Maybe he hasn't gotten right the Moderna. Well, he probably may very well not have, just like I haven't and Carl hasn't. Age before yeah, whatever. Age before whatever. But I think it's, we have to <laughs> stay close because I, don't, I believe in the Norwegian business model because they've got a fantastic – they have the better balance sheet of the three. Is it the place to be? I mean, you could say, well, what are we doing? Why don't we talk about Southwest United Air? I mean, American Airlines not that good a balance sheet. But I do think that travel, uh, the way I felt to do it was Airbnb. We caught a downgrade today, said Airbnb's up too much. Uh, and I've also felt that you can do it with Boeing people. Someone in, on Twitter said, I'm sick of you saying that you like Boeing. And I came back. I said, well, I did Fang for five years and no one's ever said they were sick of Fang. Although Jim, before we go to break, um, <laughs> sorry, I do want to squeeze in a little bit of uh, just a reflection of what an incredible week it's been for crypto. Uh, Bank of New York Mellon, Tesla, of course, MasterCard. And then you talked to PayPal last night. Not just about companies that are having to decide whether to invest in it directly, but adding it to the Venmo wallet. Take a listen. If you look at the way we went into crypto, we tried to do that in a very responsible way. 
We tried to make it simple and easy for people to understand what they're doing when they get in there. We gave tutorials so that people would have education uh, and would understand what it means to buy, sell, and hold uh, crypto. And then we put limits around some of it as well so that people could, you know, ease their way into it before we start to ease some of those limits um, even more. And so we really approach everything from a customer-centric perspective. Although, Jim, like GM and like Uber, uh, not necessarily adding it to their own balance sheet, at least for now. No, John Randy, one of my absolute favorite uh, CFOs came on. We did a joint uh, interview and he said, not for us. They want to do growth and that's fine. I mean, I do think, though, that the Dan Schulman has taught me a lot about PayPal uh, it taught me, uh, and taught me a lot about crypto and taught me a lot about buy now, pay later and uh, so many different ways of Venmo that makes it so that, uh, David, I'm not at all chagrined that there's a $333 billion market cap to PayPal. I think it goes much higher if they hit those projections and the projections that they laid out on my show last night are unbelievable and dominating. Will it ever challenge Visa, Jim? Yes, at a, what Visa is usually around a five half a trillion dollar market cap, right? So okay, yeah. steak dinner, eighteen months. Eighteen months. Yeah. Wait, uh, so I'm already taking the wow. other side here. I didn't say that I wanted Sorry. the other side. All right. How about a how about a Chipotle uh, cauliflower bowl? Visa is only four fifty billion. So I should I should you know right now. So catch me if you can. I'll t- you know what Eight I'll you want to go out? I'll buy. I don't care where we go. We'll stand in a park. <laughs> we can actually go somewhere and sit in a restaurant. I'll, I'll buy Don't all Don't worry. Sank in my, by my place. I'm using the USCSD standards they have in San Diego of how you can open up a restaurant safely. No one else is using them other looking than looking forward to that, too. I'll even pay for my tequila. Really? Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, you're going to be fine. Starting today, guys. Azul. Yeah, starting today, you can do it in New York City. I will maybe talk about indoor dining later on. We're definitely going to get to the EV call that David mentioned at the top of the show. Morgan Stanley's Adam Jonas initiating QuantumScape and Fisker, both on an overweight. We'll get to that after a break. Don't go anywhere. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. As we said, Morgan Stanley's Adam Jonas uh, wading deeper into the EV battery startup landscape takes a QuantumScape and Fisker up big this morning, initiating on an overweight gym, trying to separate uh, some winners from losers. The Lordstown, for example, remains underweight. Wow. Yeah, I just said, listen, nearly free plan from GM, but flood of competition. Do you like the concept? A Romeo wear out there? I don't know. That's a sell Romeo. Uh, but there are just some incredible praises here for Fisker. Uh, a little bit, not as much as I was hoping for uh, what they call the biotech, which is QS, QuantumScape. Don't you love it, David? The biotech of the group. Yes. Uh, the, the $27 price target for, uh, for Fisker, I think, is, is well-reasoned. He's got a bear case of, this is not unusual for him. Remember, he's got the bear case of nine. But then, what they're really talking about, Carl, is the idea that this is the legit one because of its relationship with Magna, which is such an amazing 
uh, company. They make cars for Daimler, for Benz, Toyota. So it's part of the mix. They've got a bull case in terms of 550,000 units by 2030. That would be rather amazing. I became a believer in this when Bill McDermott, my friend at ServiceNow, and I do call him my friend because I know I'm outside of work for many, many years, joined the board September 29th. Bill McDermott is an amazing executive. We all know him for what he did at SAP. And now look what he's done at ServiceNow. And he said, Jim, I'm a believer. Uh, and he has the ocean. The ocean is a gorgeous car. David, I think that Fisker is, when we look at all these different companies that we talk about that are just excitement, yes. there may be some stake here with sizzle. There might be. And the question is where it's going, who's going to sizzle and who's going to fizzle. Well, like that. Oh, my God. Clyde's got Good. nothing on me. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> swooping and swooping. But um, it's good to get research like this because we need more of it. Jonas is a pretty rigorous guy, right, Jim? I love this piece. And it's a long piece. And, you know, as more and more of these companies come to the public markets, as we've said, oftentimes through mergers with SPACs, uh, we need to try to understand the, the, the competitive relevance that they have and what they're facing. Right. Uh, and he's doing this matrix for each of them, sort of that he's calling a uh, key consideration matrix, which may be helpful. Well, but, it, you know, not everybody has the most efficient battery. Not everybody is going to be able to scale. Not everybody is going to be number one, and yet they all claim to be. And so that's what people are trying to figure out. Interesting. I don't believe Kathy Wood's arc has bought QuantumScape, even though it's been interested in this area. And I not, believe it by some I mean, other I check her enough at 6 o'clock every night. Yeah, you got, everybody's got to check that email. Yeah, it's pretty or, great. Or that, uh, what, what they communicate in terms of their trades at all. No, you're absolutely right. She, she, buys, she calls, calls the bottom draft kings. She calls the bottom what, in Snap. She, uh, Virgin Galactic, she's been, she's been dumping splumps. You see she's the like, SPACs from earlier this week, CMLF? Yes. The uh, data, healthcare, uh, AI, genomics. She bought that. That's going to be up 20%. I know. She was mad. It's a nice profit. What, in Pacific Bio? Yeah. She nailed that one. So my, I would, but my point was on QuantumScape, interesting, it hasn't been there, I don't think, in her portfolio. No, but, but, but I want to talk for a second about your Jagdeep Singh interview. Because with, I, yes, CEO I, of QuantumScape. Because that is what can move the needle, and Adam identifies it as the biotech, but we need faster charging and we need lighter batteries. Right. But remember what Elon Musk said, and we never go away from him. You know, he, he always is talking about it's easy to build. a proto, Making a prototype is easy. Scaling production is very hard. And the reason why Fisker can be at the top is they are able to scale production. Meanwhile, Jim, what? hydrogen with the trucks. What did we, get? we had Hyzon earlier this week. They came public through a SPAC, but the, they're the truck battery, right? Right. But remember, um, I mean, I Westport was for natural gas. The one I thing just, you have I to guess, know about- No, I'm just trying to understand, Jim. Oh. This world that is becoming, the, the transformation that's going to take place over the next 10 years right. in the electric power grid, in the number of stations you're going to need to be able to charge these vehicles, in just everything that's going to have to occur for this EV revolution to really succeed is enormous. Yes, because, again, you're talking about a, well, a very small number of cars that are EV. I mean, Fisker, well, Adam would be happy if they got a couple of percent. Adam Jonas did, with that great piece of Morgan Stanley. But one of the things, Carl, that I think David is right is that there's this vast panoply of how things are going to change. But much of it is uneconomic right now. Uh, blue, when you get the special green hydrogen, it is uneconomic. But it may move faster than we think. And I keep pointing out that the two most important companies in this industry are Walmart, big analyst meeting, and Amazon, because they are driving it to get it so that we have zero emissions. It's the customer that's, that is pushing the truck. Mary Barr will make it very clear that it's really truck when you talk about hydrogen. But uh, Royal Dutch yesterday, basically saying oil has peaked, still, they always come up with that caveat, yeah. don't worry about it, in the 2030s, oil will still be here. I, when I look at the amount of money that's coming into this group and the funding, and, and Carl David mentioned it yesterday, the funding is so munificent that it's entirely possible that I think they can pull this off faster than people realize. 
Yeah. Uh, to your point about uh, legacy oil, uh, S&P did downgrade uh, some of the oil majors on credit yesterday. Pretty sweeping downgrade given what's happening on both, end of this, both ends of this candle, guys. I'm so uh, glad you mentioned Take a quick break that. here. Opening bell in less than 10 minutes. Be back in a moment. No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the trip to Texas and the trip. Or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to Texas or a trip. Either way, go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. All right, let's get to a mad dash. Three minutes before we get started for the final day here. Don't forget, we got Monday off, Jim, as well. Alphabet is the name you want to talk about. Yeah, uh, this morning, City Cools on it. Uh, this is Jason Bazinet, very good, very rigorous analyst. He's saying Alphabet is no longer our top pick. Please, March expansion a bit too high. The street is being too aggressive. Street estimates are too rosy. David, I think, is dead wrong. Really? Yes, because he's really focused on the fact that cloud losses were far larger than we expected. They expect those losses to moderate, but the you know, rapid growth, continued investment, that's exactly the future. It's Thomas Curran. He's remarkable. I think that the cloud business is a must. There's so much to do. Look at Azure, how they ramped that from, what, 18 billion a quarter, 18 billion, 18, 18 billion a year. Remember when you first said it was going to do 18 billion a year and then 18 billion a quarter? Look at, look at what's going on with AWS and Andrew Jassy. Google has no choice but to spend like mad and give Curian every resource he can have in order to become really back to a big three. I think this piece is wrong. I think the stock is cheap. I think travel advertising is coming back. And I think that Jason should but, say, you know what? It is my topic again. I've rethought really think so. what Jim I mean, Cramer said. To be fair, the stock is up more, I think, this year already than it was all of last year. It's been the worst of fang for ages. Yeah. It was 1400 bucks back in September. It's over 2000 now. Ruth Pora had a great call. She really broke out everything. I think that the time to cool on, on Alphabet is when it gets considerably higher than where it is now. Okay. It's not, a, it's not an Airbnb-like situation, what I'm saying. And, and you don't like think investors, like they'll welcome any spending that comes for the cloud? That will not cloud, be frowned must upon? That's the, that's the way you feel. I mean, IBM, I think, feels that same way, but Arvin feels the same way. Arvin Krishna, you... What? Just <laughs> IBM, like... Oh, don't do that. All right, I won't. Don't be mean. I'm not going to be mean. I'm just... It... But I, Thomas Curry, I've met Thomas Curry. I went into a meeting. I mistakenly once called him Tom. That'll never happen again. Got it. And, and uh, he's the, one of the most impressive executives I've ever met. And he's got really. A, he has a plan, and it is going to work. It's not. A, it's a pretty competitive area, though. I mean, Mr. Curry, Andy Jassy is, is not guy. exactly somebody to mess with, and uh, the guys over at you know Azure is very significant competitor as well. All I can tell you is is that they're sp- they've got the war chest. You know they've That's got true. the war chest. No and doubt. Those who have war chest can win. That core business generates an awful lot of cash. And by the way, I mean, the stock is up since they reported sure, earnings Sure, but remember, well. look, it's still, cloud is still early on. As, as, as I mentioned, Bill McDermott in the second time service now, or Mark Benioff would tell you, or, or uh, look, every work I know. tell you. I mean, everyone would is tell you. Is the chip shortage going to bleed into, into not, cloud? No, not really. And uh, by the way, uh, we need to speak to, to Lisa Su. I'll be speaking to, uh, to Jensen Wong soon, NVIDIA. Yes, they, I know. They're okay. A lot of it's custom. Remember, it's the commodity auto chip, commodity right. chip that's really the right. shortage because the Chinese trip order. There's the opening bell, guys, in the S&P at the bottom of your screen. We'll see if we get any more movement as the S&P, thanks, Ryan Detrick, has moved 
uh, basically 20 basis points a day for the past three days. Haven't really seen that since 2019. Jim, you mentioned uh, the chip shortage, and it looks like we are going to get some kind of uh, executive order from the White House in the coming weeks. Uh, this letter from the industry to the White House signed by Lisa Su and Intel and Micron and Qualcomm pointing out that, you know, the U.S. share of manufacturing and chips has gone from the high 30s to the teens uh, in about 20 years, 20, 30 years. Yeah, look, this is you'll see uh, again, Lamb. Uh, Kelly Tencor, Applied Materials Reports next week. They'll be running because of this. Uh, Lisa Sue, remarkable job. We recommend the stock at five for AMD. When she told me that I didn't know what I was talking about, I always love that, especially when they're right. Uh, but you look at these companies, a lot of these companies are indeed hostage. I, I always like to point out Skywork Solutions, not hostage. Why? Because they felt that they should be foundry heavy, not foundry light. Intel used to be foundry heavy. When Intel decided to go to President Trump last year, they went kind of on their own saying, listen, we want to do this and it's defense. And it was an ill-advised way to do it. They should have done it in a, a group. Uh, and they've got a real champion here in, uh, in Gina Raimondo. She's not approved yet. That's the problem. She's the Commerce Secretary. She, I think, is going along. David, I know you're not going to hear this. Yeah. With my 50-year chip bond, and I'm not talking Dorito. I, listen, I, I, I again, I don't know that you're going to ever get your 50-year bond as much as you want it, but maybe it will happen. Free money. But I, but I think more importantly, the focus, and there was press on this yesterday, as we're pointing out, well, on having hard. some sort of national strategy for CHIP. Yes, it will come back to you. Thank don't you. worry. We will all... It's always about me. That's what my well, wife explained to me a long time We will all be very ago. thankful for you it's all about uh, me. when we all have chips everywhere. I like Doritos personally, but I'll take anything. I got the new spicy ranch. They're unbelievable. unbelievable. I sent it to my house last night. Yeah, they, and you, you can't have more. You know, you got to have more than one. I mean, yeah. once you have one, you're done. But, but yeah, back to the actual chips we're talking about. Um, this is really important, and a lot of people actually are still focused on Intel. Strangely enough, Jim, I know you're not a big fan even now. Well, we had Gelser, but with being Gelser. a beneficiary of what could end up being some sort of national strategy here, given it is still the leader by far in manufacturing chips in this country. Right. But uh, we have to and will there be actual will there be money behind it from the U.S. government? Well, Is that's that why you need the bond, because otherwise, no. Now, by right. the way, the semiconductor companies I want to make this really clear, Carl, the semiconductor companies. Yes, they're saying good things, but they like to make things where things are cheaper. And we're an expensive country to, to do business in. They now, all, these all compete against you. Not all, but they compete well, against each other. So how do you bring them have, all together and sort of this cooperative kind of bring it all here? You build you build a you build a gigantic complex of, of fabs. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alamogordo, okay? You do a Los Alamos of fabs. Okay. And then they rent the space. You bring in all this incredible intellectual property from the lambs of the world. Tim Archer, an amazing Sounds executive. like Israel. Well, okay, so you go to the Israeli plant. Now, I went to the Israeli uh, Intel plant because I like to visit Intel plants. I went on Saturday morning. I know, and there's nobody in there. I was the only one there other than uh, Dove Freeman. Yeah, at that point, the guy who ran Intel is a yeah. great survivor of the Holocaust. Amazing man. But, yeah, you can run a fab. I mean, one of the problems with a fab is that it doesn't necessarily create a lot of jobs once it's in. But, you know, but there are. Rick Hill has taught me a great deal about this. He but, sold novellas to Lab. But the industry itself has to get behind this in more than just making it look like corporate greed. That's not going to fly. It's going to be interesting. Well, Taiwan and, Semi's got the thing in Arizona, right? Aren't they moving ahead with the Yeah, fab? but Taiwan Semi has – remember, Taiwan Semi's clients, David, are very heavily PRC. They have to be very careful, walk with a fine line. And the previous president's uh, meat axe approach to try to figure out what to do with Taiwan, yeah. making it a defense issue, uh, that muddled the waters. But I understand. I think it's right. But what has to happen here, Carl, is that we have to make it so that the Chinese are not in charge of our semiconductor world. 
And the Chinese order, they do just in case. They order all sorts of chips, and we do just in time. And we're, uh, if you look at where GM's uh, is in Ford, I'm telling you those stocks would be appreciably higher if it isn't for the shortage. We hear about the shortage. Sonos had the sh- talked about the shortage yesterday. It's, but no, let's, let's be clear, and I, the executives should understand this if they don't, it's, uh, who, are not, who are trying to figure this out, who are customers. It takes 18 to 24 months. So this is not a short-term problem. And if you want to get your chips, I know where you can get them. You have to pay up. It's going to hurt your gross margins. Do what Skyworks did. Well, that is the, the pres- solution. <clears throat> yeah. As, as the president said uh, yesterday, uh, Chinese are going to, quote, eat our lunch if we don't get it together. Uh, and I know they've the been eating our dinner for ages. She's got the wrong meal. <laughs> She's <laughs> General Cho, Trump, Colonel of, uh, How much higher is General Cho ranking than Colonel Sanders these days, David? <laughs> I'm anxious. That's why he's a general. Bird yeah. colonel versus um, a four-star. <laughs> Jim, there's a lot of news on the retail uh, Reddit GME trade. Looks like we're going to get both uh, Griffin and Huffman testifying in front of the House. Um, I don't know if you saw Charles Schwab announced their January new accounts up 200 year on year. Uh, in December, it was up 75 year on year. And we're looking at trading volumes now, Jim, that are rivaling the peak of the COVID crash last it's spring. It's incredible. Now, I think the real issue will be traced out. I t- traced out last time with Dan Schulman. Uh, CEO of PayPal, will Dan Schulman has said last night at, at, at minute at 20 minutes and 36 seconds in his unbelievable half hour talk yesterday, he dropped the bomb, which says investments are where he's going. He's going stocks. So then the question, if he's going stocks on his unbelievable one app, is he going to buy Robinhood? Uh, is he going to create a Robinhood that has trust because Robinhood has violated the people's trust? We know that the hearings are going to be brutal. Uh, the Justice Department investigation, David, remember Justice Department, when they investigate financials, it is not idle. Now, you've uh, but ever since Arthur me Anderson of a period put out, during no. when Tony West was running the uh, was running that investigation for the DOJ. He's doing a great job, by the way. At, uh, I think at, at Uber and cleaning Uber up. Yeah, that's right. He's been there actually in general yeah. counsel for a but while now. David, the hearings and it's the SEC from San Francisco, which is incredibly aggressive. Yes, people know them as as an office that you don't trifle with. So I know they have what they do have some people at, at Robinhood wow. that are seasoned SEC people. But I've got to tell you, it's the compliance be, there yeah. versus the compliance at PayPal. Yeah. No, don't have it. Uh, it, Those hearings, if they come off, it's going to be very interesting. I guess potentially Ken Griffin and Gabe Plotkin. Show trial, David? Show trial among the rich? I don't. I'll be very curious to see the questioning, the line of questioning. Yeah, because it's not as though he did anything wrong. No, but they just just didn't manage his portfolio very well. Vlad ran a tech company. Now we're talking Robin. I was talking Melvin. I was talking Melvin. What, Griffin? He no, no, yeah, Mel, you know, Gabe Plotkin, oh, Melvin, and, and then the problem. questions about Citadel and where are they in all of this. The $3 billion capital call that turned out to be less, and people are still throwing money at Robin. Carl, Carl these venture capital, they can't resist it. Like, Robin Robin's still been the top app all week, uh, so people are still downloading it. And I, look, I'm cheering for the people who use Robinhood. I want them to have unfettered ability to be able to do what they want, but the decisions to close certain uh, or tr- restrict trading is not something that people are going to forget. And the trust has been violated. And to rebuild trust in the financial world is almost impossible, which is why I say if PayPal wants to own this business, they will own this business. Um, guys, speaking of Robinhood, one of the things that those uh, people on the platform like to buy is SPACs. Uh, we're at the 37 minute mark of the show. Really haven't talked about it. I wanted to just quickly review the week for SPACs. I don't know if you guys have seen these numbers. We, we tried, producer and I, trying to get them together in the right numbers. We're going with SPAC uh, analytics. 
I think we had 30, what was it, 37? Uh, 37 issuances this week, uh, raising $12.7 billion. Oh, now, again, this is, uh, uh, you know, our friends there. It, it, it's hard to keep track. There are so many. I mean, Michael Klein, who's one of the kings of SPACs, right, Churchill, he did six and seven. He, he, forget just waiting. He just oh, let's do six, and then we'll do seven. I know. You know, KKR has got a SPAC. Harry Sloan's going to have. You know, remember the DraftKings? He's going to have a new structure. I'm told as well. I, I got to check with him where you're going to be able to do more than one deal from the SPAC. Um, Danny Meyer's got a SPAC. Leonard yes. Green's got a SPAC. Shaquille's yes. got a SPAC. A Rod's yes. got a SPAC. Uh, you go on and on. A Rod, great show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Churchill, I think Michael Klein's going to he's going to fight but, on the beaches. He's, he's going to fight yeah. in the fields. He's he going to fight in the streets. He shall fight in the hills. And There's, he will never surrender until we get to this uh, Churchill 8. He won't. Church, of course. Churchill 8, 9, 10. Exactly right. Thank you for the Churchill quotes. Great museum, by Churchill the way. Churchill holds up. London. Yes, indeed. The, yeah, love that one. The one, the Every, underground. Yes, the underground. Yeah, Everyone should go to that. That's the actual great one. Where um, we well. The Russians um, well, but, uh, when it comes to SPACs, so they, they, and by the way, hundreds more, hundreds more are planned and will come public, most likely. You heard Ken Mullis yesterday, involved, he of the flying car SPAC earlier this oh, week. Geez. I like to call it flying cars, not really. Urban mobility, transport. There's another one out there as well of those. But he says this, it's not going to stop. You know, yesterday, Carl, on Twitter, I was looking at why does David insist on killing the SPACs? And Jim, why do you kill the SPACs? Actually, we're not killing anything. We're reminding no. people that if you're early on in the SPAC, you make money. Later yes. on, as J.P. Morgan's research shows, it has not necessarily been a great investment. And it's ridiculous to think that all these companies can go find companies to buy that are worthwhile. Because if they were, then we yeah, would have a lot I, more IPOs. There's a lot of companies uh, coming public that always would. listening to you. Listening to you talk about it with Andrew was was instructional before the top of the show. Uh, it's funny, you know, on Bumble yesterday, Jim, we had that huge uh, surge of interest on the new issue. And some viewers said, look, this is why we're interested in SPACs, because we're tired of paying up on day one for a, a new classic IPO. Well, look, I understand that. And the IPO yeah. market seems broken relative to the SPACs. But I like the idea that you have to be vetted by the SEC versus the projections that SPACs make, which make everybody feel that 2030 is going to be the greatest year. And once I, again, listen, I think you're right. That's to Whitney, to Wolf, Whitney Wolf heard. That was a great deal. It people, was. People may be unhappy with it, but I thought I was thrilled. I thought this was a triumph of capitalism. I told her so myself. No, but you're right about the projections. You've made that point many times. You can just talk about, hey, 2026, we're going to be, you know, measure it at two times EBITDA is where sure. we're buying this thing. 2026? All right. Hey, if you want to accept that, you can. Uh, but with a Bumble, you have to make more specific projections or not make them at all. Right. Um, by the way, guys, I mean, Bump, let's keep keep an eye on those shares, given the uh, performance yesterday and its debut. Um, uh, Jim mentioned, of course, uh, uh, the CEO. And we've just talked in general about it. But I, one thing I didn't mention yesterday was the success here that Blackstone's had on this. It was only 2000, November 2019 yeah. when they bought the parent, essentially, or at least bought part of it through their gro- one of their growth funds. And it's interesting right. as well, a growth fund. Just back then, Jim. And, of course, they have benefited enormously as a result of that, having taken Bumble Public out of that company, which right. was called what, Magic We were struck trying to figure out what would happen where we were, we were going without Badoo because Badoo is a slower growth. By the way, this is twice the growth of Match. Okay. Sorry, say that again. Well, they have two divisions at Bumble. Yes. And we, Bumble is just an incredibly successful company. One division is slower. But Blackstone throughout this has been a really terrific company. 
very good advocate, I think. Yeah, and they're, they're, as you might imagine, are very happy with it. And it also reflects well on them in terms of the female leadership that, uh, that has come to the fore here at this company. Very strong um, company. Really great growth. I really believe in it. I think the model is the best in the industry. And uh, I think it's just a fantastic young growth company for young investors of the Murray men type because it's going to be with us for a very long time. And it's, you have to wait for the earnings. Obviously, it's well behind match, maybe right. three years behind match when it comes to that. Finally, guys, on the M&A front, I did want to mention this because we don't see it too often. Um, lasers again, Jim. La- everybody wants oh in on God. the lasers. Four, you went four dimensions. And I'm not talking space lasers here, guys. I'm talking about other types. But you may have seen it. Remember earlier this week we talked about or Coherent getting um, uh, another offer. Oh, yes. Uh, Lumentum yes. isn't a deal to acquire Coherent. Then you had MKS Instruments make what they said was a, a superior offer. And now you got two six coming in. Uh, more cash in their deal. Let's call it worth. It was worth 260 roughly before the open. The stock's down. We'll take a look at where 26 is trading. But maybe it's worth 250. Uh, you can see what it's made up of. 130 cash, 1.3055 in stock. Uh, we'll look at 26. But uh, it's been a long time since I've been able to say three-way. It was at 78 bucks a year ago. What are they thinking now? Now they like it at 257 and like it at 78? There's something going on here in lasers, Jim, and I'm going to leave it to you to figure it out. Well, it's, um, uh, you know, you know I it think has to do with 5G. It has to do with autonomous cars. And it has to do with Mr. Bomb wanting to talk or die. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> oh, because of that laser. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no right. I remember that. Yeah. And what was the operation that, that he knew about? Uh, it wasn't gold. It was gold. It was uh, Operation. Go ahead, Carl. Oh, you know, Operation Grand, I, I, Slam. Grand Slam. Oh, yeah. Mm. We, we pull this one out every, I'd say, once a quarter at least, right? <laughs> of course you have to, because Goldfinger was an iconic figure. One of the greats. And the Mustang was in there. How about the Mustang E? How are they doing over there, Farley? Maki? Remember the car that he says is going to um, be the first real challenge to Tesla? Mm-hmm. And I'm a believer. And the Bronco, you can't get one. Sold out. Chip shortage. David, chip yeah. shortage. Actually, JPM has a, has a good piece on how inflation might change as travel opens up, but maybe vehicle prices uh, ease a little bit. Uh, they don't really see uh, the opening of travel at least changing the inflation picture. Take a quick break, guys. We'll get to the bond report on the way out of here. Uh, Treasuries, 10-year did get to 118. That was the highest since February 8th, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, analysts pointing out, again, more worries about inflation. We'll get consumer sentiment at the top of the hour. Over in Europe, we'll keep an eye on the German, French, Italian 10-year yields. And, of course, uh, a dollar index peak before we go to break. More Squawk on the Streets back in a moment. U.S. exporters are crying foul as the price of shipping containers spikes. Our Brian Sullivan's in Charleston, South Carolina this morning with an explainer on this latest trade dispute. Hey, Brian. Hey, Carl. Yeah, I'm going to try to explain it. I mean, you guys like to talk about global macro. This is the most global macro of all the stories, and it involves these things behind us. You don't even think about them, but guess what? When you can't buy stuff at the stores, retailers can't get stuff on their shelves, and Peloton can't get new bikes, that's when you start to think about them. All right, in a basic, very basic way, here's what's going on. In a normal year, it would cost, I don't know, 1500 to 2500 to rent one of these things to ship goods from China to Long Beach or Charleston, South Carolina. That's a normal year. Then the container goes inside America, picks up soybeans or bourbon or whatever it is, goes back to the ports, and then is exported to China or other parts of the world. That's how it normally goes. Here's what's happening now. 
demand from China is so hot, we are buying so much stuff from China that the container cost guys are now four, five, or even six thousand dollars, and it's so profitable for the shipping companies that they'd rather send the containers back to China empty to basically get back in line, like that taxi driver at LaGuardia, than to put that container on the interior of the United States. Which means, guys, that if you want to ship stuff around the world, you're going to either have trouble getting a container or you're going to have to pay a lot more. And it's got exporters crying foul to the point where they are asking the government for help because they want to sell soybeans and bicycles and whatever around the world and they can't get one of these things. And meantime, the shipping companies are just printing money. It's one of these things that we never thought about until we do. And by the way, almost everything coming into the ports, guys, is tariffed. But China has never sold us more goods at any time in history. And it's really disrupting this. Yeah, uh, trade deficit, we'll, we'll point to that. It's absolutely fascinating, Brian. I guess actionable. Who, who are the winners and losers beyond the obvious uh, Maersks and, and, and manufacturers that don't export at all, I guess? Yeah, well, that's so you, you named it, the, the biggest one, Maersk and Hupag Lloyd and some of these. They, they trade overseas markets. Jim probably knows about some of these companies. I did not. Textainer, CAI, Triton International, American companies, TGH, TRTN, uh, CAI, those are the tickers. Look at their stock charts, by the way. They have soared. You've also got some other plays, I would say, an Atlas Air Worldwide, AAWW guys. And again, I'm not recommending, I'm saying they're winning because A, shipping rates are up, container leasing costs are up, and the air carriers, like an Atlas, are printing money because if you need something that's high value, you're going to charter a plane rather than wait months for some of these containers. So those are some of the winners. Jeffries likes names like a Denaus, a Zim International. There's a few like that, guys. Names we normally don't talk about. Uh, Peloton wants to fix this because they want to sell you more bikes. Here's the greatest anecdote of all. They've still got Christmas decorations coming into port. The, the lags are so great. <laughs> Yesterday, a shipment of ornaments. I'm not kidding. A shipment of Christmas ornaments that was supposed to be here in November just rolled in. That's the kind of backlog we're talking. Oh, my God. Uh, Brian, uh, it's, it's such a great explainer of a big macro trend that really only you can, can do when you get on the ground. Uh, it's great stuff. We'll Thank hope you. to talk to you later down. on today. Brian Sullivan <laughs> in Charleston. We'll take a break. Expedia CEO is going to join us at the top of the hour. We'll talk about uh, the quarter and the outlook for global travel when Squawk in the Street continues. Get to gym and stop trading. Carl, people got it wrong. They're buying up Kraft Heinz, right? Why? Well, because they sold planners. People felt that they got $3.3 billion, so it's really good. Forget it. It's the company that bought planners, Hormel. Had them on last night. It was up initially when they reported the acquisition, and it's come down. Hormel is uh, maybe the best performer in the consumer packaged goods group. It's beaten the market straight for years and years and years in an underperforming group, and it's going to take this asset, which is now its largest, and really just ramp it. You're going to be eating planners everywhere. Congratulations to Jim Steve for a fantastic deal. All right, yeah. People talking about uh, spam-flavored uh, planners, Jim. We'll see what happens. I have the, I have the pumpkin <laughs> spam. It, I don't know. In the event of nuclear war, it's perfect. Yeah, I, you're a spam connoisseur. We, we yes, know I this am. From, from the past. I like it on a chip. Uh, 
<laughs> What's tonight? On a DRAM. Uh, okay, so I've got Dexcom tonight. I've got some other uh, STEM and ASAP, but Dexcom's important because this is uh, uh, glucose monitoring. The stock is down very, very badly, and I think it's just conservative uh, outlook and it might be an opportunity. Jim, we got, a, we got another minute or two before we have to go to break. Uh, I said at the top, we got That's almost... Uh, yeah, cannabis we did not get to. And I was going to say largely earnings, uh, 80% uh, of the S&P's in, uh, 9% run rate, and a 19% upside surprise rate. Well, I mean, it just keeps happening. I mean, look at – we know that Dr. Gottlieb's on the board of Illumina. Look at that number. Meg had Illumina today. That's a classic example. They beat $953 million in revs. People are looking for 900. we We're just seeing over and over and over again gigantic beats. And the beats are so large that you just think, wow, it must be some boom. But remember, we are in a strange time. A lot of companies did very well uh, because of the great reshuffling. Yesterday, Zillow was really an extraordinary story to watch. Oh, it's turned around a bit. Disney shares are down, not down it sharply. Is? Yeah, but uh. Disney is down. And I note again, Viacom and Discovery, those names that have had incredible performance this year are both up sharply yet again to the tune of well over 50 percent now gains, 55 percent gains for this year. But Disney shares are down. Listen, don't All let's right, not well, forget, such a big you know, one. when they were asked about reaching profitability for for direct to consumer, they still talk in fiscal 2004. They, but they didn't pull that forward. PayPal's no. uh, doing well. That that cool after after the meeting. Uh, I just want to warn everybody, you're going to hate me, everyone on Twitter. Beware of pump and dump schemes on cannabis stocks. OK, beware of them. They are happening everywhere right now. Uh, now, there are some very legitimate cannabis companies, and I really like them. And I've praised uh, Afria, and I think, you know, look, I really think that Irwin Simon's doing a great job. I like what Canopy's doing. Some of these companies are very real, but please do not be taken in by the pump and dumps. And they are happening right now. Jim, good long weekend. Thank you. We'll see you on Tuesday. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the trip to Texas and the trip. Or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to Texas or a trip. Either way, go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.